The Sound of Hockey episode 221. We're calling this one the Dustin Tokarski episode. Why are we calling it that, Joe? Well, Dustin Tokarski, I'm sure it's not the first time we've talked about him on the pod. Um, well, it might be. No, I'm, <laughs> I swear, anytime I get a chance to talk about him, I bring it up. But former Spokane Chief uh, won the Memorial Cup for the Spokane Chiefs, played with Tyler Johnson. He's 33 years old and just got called up to wow. the Pittsburgh Penguins. Huh. But I love his story, right? Because he's been just a, a journeyman, if if you will. He's only played 76 games across his career in the NHL, and it's across six teams. So last <laughs> year was his career high with 29 games in Buffalo. Really? So, yeah. That would have surprised me. You thought he would have played more, right? I would have guessed Montreal he played more, yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like he was he was on the upswing when, when he yep. started playing in Montreal. But anyway, Tokarski, former Spokane Chief, love that guy, and he seems... Every time I see him, there's always like smiling or the pictures I see of him getting called up. Obviously, that you're going to smile when that happens. So uh, I, I don't know him, but I like him. All right. Very good. Uh, <laughs> this is Sound of Hockey. I'm Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. Uh, and good to have you back, by the oh, way. Thank you. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL to Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. We are remote this week, as we promised last week. Um, so deal with it, folks. It's going to be this week and probably next week will be uh, remote just due to some scheduling and some travel and all kinds of stuff going deal on. With so, I, 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 um, I deal with it. I like to tell you listeners yeah, to that's, deal with something. That's nice. Deal with it. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is what you get. I don't you know get. what you want from us, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, how much you pay to refund? this podcast. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do not have any five-star reviews to share with you this week, unfortunately, so I'm just going to chalk that one up to the holiday break and just assume that our listeners were also taking a holiday break from leaving us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. But if you leave your five-star review and you haven't already, uh, we will read it on next week's show, so uh, do that. Deal with uh, it. I, hey, quick, before we get into the, the episode here, John, I saw you had a shout-out for uh, somebody named Jake. Yeah. Or maybe Hake? <laughs> Maybe hockey. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's Jake. Uh, okay. Somebody uh, tracked me down at the Kraken game last week, and and he's like, hey, are you John? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I love the podcast. So anyway, Jake introduced himself That's to cool. me, and he was sitting right behind me. But he noticed I was wearing a Burakovsky uh, retro jersey, and he's like, yeah, I remember you complaining about not getting your retro jersey on time. So that's how that's how <laughs> uh, he found me. So Right. Right on. Um, yeah, actually, uh, those retro jerseys, by the way, I'm starting to think we need to never wear them again. But. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Also, I want to give a shout out to my wife because she got to join me in the press box for the Islanders game. And that was really cool to have her up there. We had a great time. So uh, thanks to the Kraken for letting us. Did she file an article, a game report? Uh, she did. Okay, yep. cool. Yep. It's uh, it's pinned <laughs> to the top of our, our of course website. It is. So you yep. can, yeah, that's not true. It's not. But do check out our website, soundofhockey.com. We've had lots of great content there uh, of late. Well, we've always had great content there, but um, really good uh, game coverage and all kinds of stuff. So check it out there. Um, okay, let's get into our Kraken news. Uh, we do have quite a bit to talk about here. First off, we're going to start with the games. We know that there is also the Winter Classic announcement, um, which we will also get to that in a moment. But let's talk uh, first about... So this is an interesting one because we have two separate Oilers games to talk about uh, with an Islanders game in between. And the two Oilers games were about as bad. Well, hold on. The first one was about as bad as it gets. The second one was about as good as it gets. So it's going to be an interesting dichotomy there of, uh, of two different games against the same team. So the first one, I said it's going to be about as bad as it gets. It was it was bad. 
That was a bad night for the, the boys. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. It started really early, too. They were down 3 nothing in the first four minutes of the first period and had a goalie change already. So there was very little defense played by the Seattle Kraken that night. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was very sloppy in general. You know, I think we've talked mm-hmm. quite a bit on this show that – um, you know, the way that this team plays and, and wins is they have to be uh, a tight checking three zone 60 minute type of team. They came out so slow and their defense was just horrendous that night. And it was like structural stuff like they were chasing the wrong guy. They looked totally out of sorts. There was the, the PRV goal where Matty Beneers had the puck. Justin Schultz read that Seattle had the puck. So he went to the corner to try to like <laughs> facilitate a breakout and they lost the puck in the other corner and PRV was just standing there by himself and like if you watch the replay when he scored there was I don't even know if there was a Kraken player in the frame <laughs> it was crazy how how open he was yep. um, and that was just kind of how that first period went that night but yeah to your point Andy Grubauer is out of the game within four minutes I think it was three goals on five shots so yep. um, not really his fault though I saw a lot of a lot of debate about that. I mean, the first two, he was completely hung out to dry. The third one was the one that people were kind of on him about. But realistically, like that's Darnell Nurse skating right down the middle of the slot untouched. And I can tell you as a goalie, when a guy is coming straight down the slot, he can shoot anywhere he wants. Yep. Um, so, Which you did. know, yeah, he maybe could have had it, but I don't fault him for giving up a goal from a clear scoring position. Right. It was, a, it was a tough game. McDavid dominated five points. Anything else we want to say about this one, or can we just move uh, on? The penalty kill, never happened? Uh, 0 for 2. Penalty kill, 0 for 2. not great. So, yep. meaning uh, they yeah. scored twice. And Dreisaitl wasn't even playing, which is, which yeah. is uh, <laughs> we'll come back to that in a bit. But that was kind of uh, interesting. Oh, oh, we have a chance. Dreisaitl's not playing. Nope, that wasn't the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not at all. And this was a reverse retro night, correct? Yes. Am I remember that, yeah. I'm remembering yes. that correctly? So, what are we at 0, now? 0-2 oh, and 1. 0-2 oh, and one. Yeah. We only have one more yeah, game, I think. I don't know. We only have one more game. Okay. So. I, okay. I, I did like their reaction the next day of practice that everybody, they actually had a really good practice. The day after that, everybody said it was the best practice they've had all year. Uh, he also used the phrase, we got our noses rubbed in it. <laughs> so they, they, there was no hiding how bad they thought the game uh, was against Edmonton. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting practice, Andy, because they, they shuffled some things up. Yeah. Uh, and clearly, you know, the tone had changed. The messaging had changed a little bit. You could tell people, like, the players were pissed. You could tell Hackstall was trying to light a fire, you know, and and on the ice, they, they made some tactical and personnel changes. So the lines got totally shuffled up. We could see from that day that Ellie Tolvanen was likely going to play the following night. We didn't know who the scratch was going to be in, in place of him. We thought it was going to be Donato because just it looked like Donato wasn't on a line. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But I mean, when you think back, Donato had scored, what, five goals in six games yeah. at that point <laughs> and had like a six game point streak. So it was like, well, that's not really fair, but that's kind of the nature of it too. Like somebody yeah. has to sit and it may not be fair, but that's the nature of having an additional player um, and especially somebody who can compete for time, you know? So it's not fair to whoever has to sit, but somebody has to sit, unfortunately. Um, and that ended up being Morgan Geeky the following night. The other thing they changed was the uh, the penalty kill formation, which is actually something, coincidentally, we talked about last week. So I felt pretty smart when I saw them doing that. They changed from the wedge plus one to more of a, a traditional box. Um, they had some success against the Islanders there. They pitched a shutout on the penalty kill for the first time in I don't know how long. Not so much in the following Oilers game, but again, we'll circle back to that. We're circling back to a lot of things here, yeah. so I don't know if we've... <laughs> I don't know if we've pinned enough things mentally to um, to actually remember to go back. Probably not. Um, but yeah. we're gonna we're gonna try. We'll see. Who cares? 
Um, <laughs> Deal with it. I thought that was interesting that, you know, as another example of <laughs> Hackstall and the team recognizing, hey, we need to make an improvement here. We need to adjust this thing. Um, and then they came out and did it against the Islanders. I thought that Islanders game, they won four to one. It was one of those just 60 minute solid top to bottom type of efforts yeah. um, that you really want to see and really expect to see. Uh, from this team you know it's funny the islanders came in having won three in a row so they were pretty hot a little hot and uh i saw some tweets from islander fans afterwards just ripping the team like i can't believe how embarrassing this was i'm like they've won they won three in a row get over get over it it was one game on the road i think there's still some level out there of people just not believing that the kraken are a real team like after last year i think they're you know people just assume it's two easy points when you play against the kraken because they they may not really grasp that like yeah seattle had a, a bad december but they're a good team. Like they, they are actually truly a, a contender, at least a playoff contender this year. Um, and I don't think people grasp that outside of Seattle so much. So, because I saw similar reactions after the Oilers game last night too. We're recording on oh, Wednesday how, after how the Tuesday game, right? I mean, well, and they had the recency bias of, sure, uh, yeah. of a seven-two win, right? So, but yeah, that's an interesting point there, Andy. Um, but yeah, good, good game though. And the Tolvanen story was awesome. So um, he got in. Uh, love when there's a. a storyline like that he gets into his first cracking game after being scratched uh all the way since i think december 12th is when they claimed him he gets in and he scores just a rocket one-timer on the power play and john how long had it been since they had scored a power play goal at that point i feel oh, like it was, it was like, like eight, a month, right? eight games or something it was insane it was <laughs> yeah so that was nice great yeah. great for him to draw in right away on the power play but that's right. that's his strength as a shot right yeah. So I and I think that um, the the funny thing about that is the last time they had scored by my count, I think they had scored on December 11th, which was the Florida game, and they claimed him on December 12th. Then scratched him for what two or three straight weeks. Um, they finally put him in, and sure enough, they score a power play goal with his shot the first night <laughs> he gets in the game. So, um, so that was kind of funny. But uh, but Hackstall had a lot of good things to say about him in in both of his first two games here, uh, just in terms of what he saw, not just with the shot, but in terms of how he's playing with and without the puck. So that's a positive, and I think it creates more competition here on that fourth line for who's going to be the last guy in the lineup every night. I like that he gave himself an A for his fish toss, this first one. Yep, that's a great point. I saw Thanks it. For it, was, that out. it was average. I don't know if I'd give oh. it an A. An A for average, perhaps. Maybe that's Maybe, what he meant. yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, good first performance by him. Uh, good game by the Kraken all around. Oliver Bjorkstrand scored. Um, we did have a couple more wonkies in that one. Ooh, We've had yeah. some wonkies lately. Um, this latest wonky, I'm I'm calling it a you don't see that every day. Uh, and actually, it was a few different wonkies. So the first one, we had a phantom goal horn in the first period, which was pretty funny. Uh, Vince Dunn shot. Ilya Sorokin obviously made the save. Like, the, you know, nobody in the arena was like, oh, yeah. that's in, you know. Um, <laughs> but for some reason, the whoever the goal horn operator was jumped to the gun and hit the button. And it went off and it scared the <laughs> crap out of me. I don't know about you guys. I almost fell off the press bridge. I was just so startled by it. It wasn't even like a like Soroka was scrambling. He calmly no. blockered it into the other corner. So it wasn't even like 
oh my gosh, they almost scored or a, a chance even. It was. I mean, it was a good good look, but like, yeah, yeah it wasn't like he, it, like he wasn't he scrambling to make a save. Right. It was like he robbed it off the goal line. It was just a save. So <laughs> yep. yeah, it, it really startled me. And you could hear like a little a little roar from the crowd. There after was a too. buzz was, after. Yeah. Yeah. People kind of laughed. Like, oh, didn't didn't expect that. Um, so yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, the other two, there were two other wonkies, were clock malfunctions at the end of the game. So with like five or six minutes left, we all looked up and all of a sudden the clock said under a minute left and it was ticking (laughs) down and we're like, that's weird. I didn't think we were at the end of the game right now, but like you're not watching the clock constantly, right? And we all were like up in the press area. We're like, okay, it's not actually under a minute. So we figured it out that there was something wrong, but then... (laughs) Uh, the clock actually ticked down to zero and the crowd started cheering. And I even saw people like getting up and leaving, right? Um, So it was a very strange thing. And then at the very end, uh, after they reset the clock, which the PA announcer, uh, Chep Buchanan, actually said like, the game is not over. There was a clock malfunction, right? But at that point, some people left. And so they finally fixed the clock, put the whatever, five minutes back on. And when it ticked all the way back down to zero it stopped again with like two seconds left so the final <laughs> horn never actually went and the refs were just like yeah that's enough we've, <laughs> we've had <laughs> enough not gonna of this. Score three goals in two seconds yeah it was super weird so so those three things all happened in the same game um well, well very, for very me i had gone downstairs with about seven minutes left to mm-hmm. get my deadlines and everything and uh I get down to the to the media room and look up at the the monitor there, and all of a sudden there was fifty seconds. I thought, how long did it take me to walk down here? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I left. There were eight minutes left, and, and I wow. can tell you the Kraken employees they all panicked because they thought they weren't paying attention to do all their post game stuff with the fish and everything. They were like, oh my god, they were like scrambling for a second until they realized that there was something wrong. And just a FYI, just an FYI, that is NHL officials, not like. Seattle Kraken employees, right? Seattle Kraken employees and staff do not control the game clock. So yeah. something to note there. Pretty sure they control the the horn, horn though. though yeah. It's probably it's probably automated. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the goal horn for sure. Well, yeah. yeah. That's a good question. I, I don't know. It's a button. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a button. Yeah. yeah. Someone leaned on it. Someone sat down on it. It's not automated. Yeah, is maybe. that what you're saying? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it is. No. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's what they could do though, right? With my my theory about having a chip in the puck. They could also connect it to the goal horn, right? So not only would you know that the puck went it. in because they could yeah. visually review it, but also uh, it triggers the goal yeah. horn going off, right? All right, you got me there. I got it. All right, cool. You're sold. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's our, I guess that's our you don't see that every day built in with the Islanders game. Uh, the next Oilers game, which was played on Tuesday, was awesome. Uh, it started out like I thought it was a pretty solid first period, but then the power play for the Oilers, which is number one in the league, did score again. It was Ryan Nugent Hopkins scored a pretty much an open net after it was kind of lucky because Leon Dreisaitl, it he was trying to shoot the puck and he missed. And somehow, instead of like going into the corner, it went across the front of the net right onto Nugent Hopkins stick with a wide open net in the corner. So 
it was kind of lucky, but also it was their power play and they score every time they're on the power play. So <laughs> whatever. They went to the, the first period intermission. Second period starts with McDavid getting the puck at the blue line and racing through and scoring a highlight real goal. And I don't know about you guys, but I definitely started to have that feeling like, yep. uh-oh, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly how <laughs> I was feeling. It's like was the like, next well, goal. That was fun. Yeah, the next goal yeah. is so huge on either side, right? If they go up 3-0, then all of a sudden it's like oh, game yeah, over, over pretty much, even if there's you know half the game left. I was I was starting to feel that. And I probably wasn't that optimistic. Like, even though they were playing well, I was like, I don't know how they're going to pull out of this, even at 2-0. Oh, so, yeah. I gave them zero chance at that point. Zero. It was just the zero way chance. that It was just wow. the way that McDavid scored that goal, right? Like, he just turned on the Jets and, and beat everybody. It wasn't even like he had to make a move <laughs> or anything to right. get down there. And I just thought, oh, this is just a, he's just going to take off like he did the other night. Yeah. Yep, I saw that coming too. I saw another five point night and yep. just uh, just an easy cruise. But instead, what happened was uh, Seattle suddenly turned it on in that period. Uh, they got four goals from four different scorers, uh, including Maddie Beneers and Yanni Gord, neither of whom had scored since that December 11th game against Florida that I mentioned earlier, which was the last time they scored a power play goal. And so that was uh, a pretty fun period, I got to say. Uh, and in that process, they sent Stuart Skinner to the bench, which kind of flipped the script, I thought, nicely yeah. on Edmonton from the previous game, right? To score four goals in a period and send their goalie to the bench. Um, felt pretty good. I appreciated it. Yeah, and so they got a power play goal, which they, they've been kind of dry lately. And then um, as well as that second goal was actually a six-on-five delayed call power play. Uh, or, That's right. So it really won't register as a power play goal, but they did have a, an extra advantage. And you know who got an assist on the Gord goal? Who? Tolvin. And so Tolvin, he's now a right. point-per-player game with the Kraken. Yeah, I did actually know that when I thought about it for a brief <laughs> second. So I did want to ask you guys about the Schwartz goal. Okay. You wrote about it as Beneers was shooting on the net, I believe. But I okay. I thought it was a pass by Beneers. Oh, well, yeah, they, maybe. Maybe I just missed they that. They actually broke this down on route if you watched last night with Allison. And right as Beniers is shooting or passing, whichever you believe he was doing, McDavid reaches a stick in there, which affects the shot or pass. And she thought that originally was a shot and that uh, McDavid affected it. So it went wide right to Schwartz. So I, I saw that off. too, but I still thought it was a, a pass because I don't see him shooting from that high out. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. But I don't. I mean, I don't know. But I was just wondering what your take was, Andy, because I know Darren. You wrote it was as a. You wrote it as a pass, I believe, Darren. I wrote it as a shot. Okay. I might need to go back and watch it. I thought he was shooting, but I might need to go back and watch the replay again. Anyway, because I didn't see that part of the broadcast where she broke it down like that. So yeah, I don't know. Great question. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little play. If it was a pass, either way. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Scores goal, ties it up. Um, <laughs> it how do you think uh, Tolvanen looked in that game? Less well. I, I mean, it's different because I was watching this one on TV, right? I was watching him pretty closely in the previous game. I thought he looked really good um, in all three zones, and I kept noticing him popping up. This one, I noticed him less, but it's on TV, so it's a little different, right? Yeah. Like I'm not watching what he's doing away from the puck. I just wasn't watching for him quite as closely, and it's really hard to do that from home too. So. The assist was a heads-up play, I thought, though. It was, well, but he kind of also shot it at thought, the net, right? Like, yeah, I thought he I was thought just whacking I thought he more puck. poked it towards Gord, eh, though. I don't think so. I, I think we're giving too much credit here. I think he Maybe. was just trying to shoot, and it hit Gord, and Gord made a good play to spin yeah. and, and whack it past Actually, that goal, Skinner. I think Schultz had a lot to do with, because okay. it was his rush on the goal that got the puck out in the front in the first place. He got a shot off. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, and it was a good smart the, shot too. Yep. That kind of like shot with a purpose, where you fired at the far pad to get the rebound to kick out yep, into the uh, into the slot. So it was a good win from top to bottom. Uh, though, I guess the thing that we haven't talked about yet was perhaps the most crucial play of the game, which actually was an offside challenge from Dave Hackstall. Um, and he said that was triggered by video coaches Tim Ohashi and Brady Morgan, uh, and that came early in the third period. And really, contextually, I think is what made it so huge because the Oilers had gone. They were three for three in two uh, games against the Kraken on the power play. They scored again, dry sidle off a pass from McDavid uh, early in the third, right? And so that would have made it four to three. The team challenges, it's offside by like a fraction of an inch. Uh, Hyman was just over the blue line. And if they had gotten that wrong, I'm convinced Seattle loses that game if they had gotten that wrong. So that's a huge one. I thought it took some guts by Hackstall to call it because it's very close. Like, yes, it's clear, but it's also very close. I could have seen it going the other way. Um, And frankly, like the fact that, you know, if they had given that up and then gone right back to the PK, you know, they're scoring on that next power play. You just know it. Oh, yeah. I I was worried when I saw he was challenging. I thought you better be right here because you're putting them right back on the power play. If they just score this, this is going to change everything for the game. And I had to laugh when he said, oh, it was clear, you know, and they have so little time to make that choice or make that call. But it, it was clear, but it, like you said, it wasn't obvious. It wasn't like he was a foot offside. I mean, no. Hyman's skate was barely over the blue line. <laughs> that, yeah. that was pretty, like you said, it was pretty gutsy on everybody's part, but I guess they were convinced and I didn't see it live. I, I was like confused. No, I, was like, oh, I, I, wonder what I didn't, but you know what was interesting? If you watch the replay of it, Ryan Donato actually put his hand up at the blue line. Oh, he saw it. As if to say, like, hey, they're off sides, right? <laughs> and so I thought that was pretty interesting that the, the player saw it right there. And that yeah. might have even been what triggered uh, Tim and Brady to look at it, right? Because yeah. they, they saw that happen. You definitely couldn't see it live because live, uh, it was against the near boards. Yeah, so you true. truly had no idea where the puck was. Um, so, yeah, uh, it was a, a gutsy, gutsy call for them to Just go for the that. the amount of time, out. too, that they made that call is impressive. I mean, they made it quickly. I can't imagine right. the stress level of those guys. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> exactly. Because they have to, like, use every angle that they can to make sure, yep. and then they have to make a decision one way or the other. And like like you said, it's so close. It's just – and it was nice to see uh, – you know, Hackstall called him out. And it was risky. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Huge challenge, huge successful challenge. Um, last thing I want to say, Martin Jones has now two pretty good starts in a row. Um, I thought, you know, against the Islanders, he wasn't that busy, but he made some really big saves in that game. Um, and then against the Oilers, he did have 30 stops. So that's pretty encouraging to have two, you know, really solid games from him in a row. I was very encouraged by Philip Grubauer for a while. And then the Edmonton game that he played, Again, I don't think it's his fault, but it is, you know, I'd like for us to just get both goalies really rolling Consistent. consistently. I, yeah. um, I do. Here's a, here's a hot take, right? And I'm sure okay, let's hear it. fans will respond very level-headed and peacefully. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I still think Grubauer sure. is the better goalie, right? And I think he's mm-hmm. been playing better as of late. I, obviously, these, these two games by Jones are awesome. And so it is, like you said, great to have him both going or we kind of need them both going it's hard to say that uh grubauer is really you know strong right now but he's had two out of his last three starts have been really good even in a loss so right he had that huge against carolina he had a ton yeah so 
I just think ultimately they need the success of both of them to be successful this season. Even though if you look at the the body of work for the season, neither have played exceptionally well, but I think both are playing relatively well right now. And that's a positive sign going forward. Mm-hmm. I, I actually agree with your hot take there, John. I, I've always oh. thought Grubauer was slightly the better guy, you know, uh, but the circumstances make that hard to justify. Yeah, <laughs> the stats yeah aren't totally. Maybe not that totally. great, but. I, I, I like what I've seen from him and most of his starts, not all of them. And, and I also agree with what Darren said at the beginning. Like, I, for me, I think they just need one of those guys to get consistent. Yeah. It just seems like well, they will each, but that just may be part of the nature of being a goalie. You, you make three good starts and then one clunker. It's, I don't know. it's kind of the nature. I mean, it, it is. You go through ups and downs. Um, yeah. And I think we've certainly seen that happen with Jones here, right? Like Jones, when Grubauer was hurt, he was awesome. You know, Jones came in and he was a huge reason that the team was playing the way that they were because they were confident. They could they could play loose. They could make mistakes and Jones would make saves for him, you know. And that was a big reason that they went on that winning streak. The thing with Grubauer, I think it's all, I think he's so good. Like, I think he's very skilled and very athletic and all those things, but I think there's kind of a mental block for him right now. Like, I think that last year was really, really bad for him. I think he, that had to have had an impact on his confidence. And I don't think he's fully gotten it back. That's just totally my take. That's not from talking to him or anything like that. It's just kind of my take. Like, I think he's not fully there yet. And I think when he gives up a goal early, like he did against the Oilers, you know, and it's it's like, it's not his fault by any means, but it's hard to shake that too. And and some of the things come back, you know, some of the demons come back from what happened to him last year. So I would love to see him just get really confident, go on a run for a while and have it happen at the same time as Jones, that they're playing off yeah. of each other rather than just one guy at a time. But yeah. And they're going to need him this, this road trip, right? With so many games in oh, such certainly. a short or, or, well, month it, of January in month. general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even when they get back home, their schedule's crazy. Right. So I have, I have a quick hypothetical for you guys. Okay. You want me to do an intro again? No, not really. Okay. No. <laughs> what, what if what I want to do? I guess it's Andy's call. No, he's the then. hypothetical presenter. Yeah. So okay. if he does not want the full <laughs> intro. What do you guys do if Drieger comes back and is healthy and plays? Yeah. I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I, I don't think you can really turn your back on Martin Jones because I think the success of the season is largely because of him, like I just said. Yeah. So it's really hard for me to kick him to the curb, but also he's on a one-year contract. So, exactly. you know, Is there value to another contending team somewhere like out east to have a Martin Jones on their team for the stretch run? See, I, yeah, I don't I'm know. convinced uh, Drieger doesn't come back before the trade deadline. And that may right? be right. Or yeah. he's assigned to right. uh, a conditioning assignment. Which he needs, right? Like yeah. to think that he's going to come oh, yeah. in and be where it needs to be, I think is a is a stretch. No, of course, yeah. So um, I just don't. But if, yeah. if he's healthy and, and, and somehow you're convinced he's playing well, and honestly, you want to kind of showcase him too, right? Um, in case yeah. to give you an option over the summer if you need to move him or somebody. I'm I'm just wondering if they'll look at the way Jones has played and now all of a sudden he might be an asset to trade. Yeah, possible. It's possible. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. You might be able to get something for him now that yeah. he's had a, a decent track record this year. Yeah. Anyways, it's a hypothetical for a reason. Ah, good <laughs> we, point. I mean, it may never come to be, be a, a question. Yeah, we don't get to decide. Right. <laughs> Breaking news: uh, Czechia just tied the game with 38 seconds left here in the oh. World Juniors. Uh, it was one zero. Nice. Oh, that should and they just that age well to tie it. Yeah. <laughs> well. We'll give a real-time update okay. as the game goes right. on, so I'm keeping an eye on it. Someone's going to win 2-1 is my prediction. Cool. All right, so that's all our talk about the games. You, you predict 2-1, to one. Andy, is that what you yes, just said? Yes, that would be oh, the final. Okay. 
Wow, amazing. Right. <laughs> so that's our talk about the games. Uh, we alluded to it earlier, but there was some massive news that broke this week about a particular event that's coming up next year. John, do you want to take it away? Let us know, even though I already spoiled it earlier in the show. Seattle's getting a winter <laughs> classic. This is going to be awesome. Woo! It's a, it, you know, it's always been uh, kind of a, another bucket list item for me, kind of a rite of passage for hockey fans or something you just need to do. Or, I, you know, I don't know if you remember Nick Constantica, he talked a lot about it. Um, I, I think that was mm-hmm. on the, the first year of the podcast. Like he, he talked about the Winter Classic. He covers them all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it might have lost some luster on TV, even though I still watch them. It is a celebration of hockey and what a great opportunity. And I think... I think the timing is going to be right for Seattle. You know, they're on the upswing. There's excitement now. I know tons of people were talking about it, how to get extra tickets and uh, which aren't available yet, obviously. But I'm I am psyched. What do you guys think? Hey, I'm excited, but I was also a little surprised because you remember when Gary Bettman was here two or three years ago, he, he talked about the rain and someone brought up T-Mobile Park as a roof. And he said, yeah, but then it's not really an outdoor game, which I don't think he realized that it is still outdoors. The roof yeah. at, at that yeah. park is like an umbrella. But uh, I, I think it's cool. You know, it's funny. I couldn't watch this year because it turns out I don't have TNT. <laughs> um, Same. Like I couldn't watch it. But uh, I always try to check it out. Uh, and I know that from people who have gone that you don't always get the best sight lines. And, but that's not really what the it's, – it's about more than just the, the actual game. I mean, there is a real game being played. But it's just the atmosphere, the celebration of the city, of, of the sport, all that stuff is what makes it a, a cool event to me. Yeah, you're right, Andy. Um and it's it's a whole thing around it too. It's not just the, it's not just oh, yeah. the game. There's there's other events that are going to be associated with it. And I I think just, you know, I have to say obviously they're going to they're going to fill up T-Mobile Park. The experience you're not going to be able to see the game very well yeah, if you go know to the that game. Going I will, in. I will promise you that. Um, I've been to one outdoor college hockey game at a football stadium, and I was like, I have no clue what's going on, right? <laughs> um, that is going to be the case, uh, but I think the experience is going to be incredible. Um, so I, I just I think it's awesome. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about, like, what are some of the things that you think we can do from a uniquely Seattle perspective uh, to make this kind of a memorable event? I was wondering if you guys had had your wheels turning about those kinds of things. Well, I, I think I think John or somebody mentioned the music. I think that's always been a big part of Seattle. I'm curious what musical acts will be playing either before the week leading up to it or you know at the game. I think they had the Black Keys were in Fenway there today. Um, mm-hmm. So and the I, Boston I think, Pops. I, re- I liked the Boston Pops. That's right. Said, Boston uh, playing Pops. shipping up to Boston as the <laughs> as the Bruins so came I, out. I, I think they have cool. to make music a big part of the event. Uh, with local acts who that is i don't know um, it's, it's a big thing so maybe they can get some of the bigger local acts right but, uh, just lo- i want to see some local music yeah good call um i also was wondering about well john did you have any thoughts on that before i uh, th- well just next... the music is obviously uh pretty cool to me like what they what they do and you would assume macklemore will be represented in some capacity uh, yeah probably yeah. uh being that he's a minority owner um but there's plenty of other bands right um you know they're going to do something with the market and the throwing fish, but you know that's pretty oh, cliche yeah. to us Seattleites. But I was <laughs> hoping they would do something with the ballad locks and the fish ladder or something like that. You know, uh, um, yeah. and then the mountain and kind of incorporate the mountains and in what we have to offer here. I'm Hopefully, s- it's sunny. 
Yeah, well, or clear day, clear, right? Yeah, we don't want it sunny. Yeah. We want it overcast, right? Because that was that's <laughs> yeah. the one thing that can really ruin the ice. And they would probably put the roof on if it's sunny, which would feel weird. But yeah, yeah, that happens. So anyway, I am super excited, Darren. What what are your thoughts? Uh, I think you guys are right about the music. You both, John, I liked how you said, "Well, the music sounds good," as if that was like an original take after Andy had just talked about the music for three minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm curious about like the what they're gonna wear when they walk in. That's become like a uh, thing. Yeah. Now, for this year's Winter Classic, both teams came in wearing baseball uniforms, which that felt a little corporate to me. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure that was set up by either the NHL or something, because like how were both teams? It looked a little too well planned out. I'll just say that. Right. Well, the I think they, is, uh, Seattle should do something different because you don't want to do the exact same thing that happened the year before. Right. I, I would like for them to walk in as like pirates or like. Fishermen. Some sort of... How about fishermen? fishermen. Or fishmongers. Oh, fishermen yeah, that would be, be funny. Good. Fishmongers yeah. would be pretty um, good. I was thinking they could, they could dress all grunge, like the <laughs> 90s grunge. Oh, that could be good, too, actually. Do remember Florida last year? Hair. Yeah, I remember last year they had... It was like negative 10 in Minnesota, and the <laughs> yes. blues came in wearing like flip-flops and Hawaiian yeah. shirts. That was good, too. That was good. So. I, did, you, w- yeah. I don't think we even said it's going to be against the Vegas Golden Knights, which I think is... Oh, is that... Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's even relevant to mention... <laughs> I mean, I, I I really like it because not only is it like 31 and 32 kind of coming in and, and kind of creating yeah. this, you know, it seemed to make sense that Vancouver would have been, but in a way, it's going to be cooler that I think it's going to be Vegas and Seattle. Yes. Like they're going to sell out regardless. Awesome. So in a weird way, I think it gets more national attention by being Vegas against yes, Seattle. I think I agree. I don't actually think like outside of this area, Vancouver against Seattle is all that much of a draw. Yeah. Like I don't think anybody, nope. you know I what I mean? Like, agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Who, who cares? Right. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. So I think Vegas versus, versus Seattle makes a lot of sense. I think both teams are, uh, kind of projecting to be contending teams next yeah. year. We'll see what happens yep. between now and then. But I think it's a great pick for an opponent. I think of all the teams that Seattle has a quote-unquote rivalry with right now, I do oddly think Vegas is probably the toughest rival for them. It just, A, because they're at the top of the standings. B, because Seattle is constantly being compared to them, right? Yep. Like, yep. well, why didn't you guys go to the Stanley Cup final in your <laughs> first year? You know, like, so... I think that there's there's something there. There's a little bit of hatred, um, and I think it's it's going to be a really cool matchup. So I, I love what they're doing. Um, it's going to be a great opportunity for Seattle. So yeah, good there's actually there. been some some bad blood already. Like the first game when was it Mark Stone complained about Geeky's stick yeah the flip. stick twirl yeah yeah. So you know I, I know that there were three fights or whatever in that last Vancouver game that was here, but I think that was more about Vancouver trying to motivate themselves because they hadn't won a game yet. Um, period. So I think there's just more. I think I, I actually right now I think Vegas is the bigger rival. I do too. Yep. And meanwhile, if if it is Seattle against Vancouver, I don't like that matchup because Seattle can't beat Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. So another good reason. Oh five yeah. and one. <laughs> Uh, this year's Winter Classic was uh, cool, although it's something that we had totally seen before, so there was nothing all that unique about it, I didn't think, just because, A, it was teams that we've seen, uh, what, three times each, I think, Pittsburgh and Boston has been in it, B, it was at a venue that's already done it before, so nothing all that unique, but um, nonetheless, I mean, the the pageantry of it is always so cool. Boston ended up winning at home, uh, two to one. Linus Allmark tried for a goalie goal, which that, that cool. would have been insane. Yeah. Yeah, kind of what wish about that the end, out. The drama at the end with Malkin scoring like a tick after the clock expired, which would have tied it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was nice to have it as a close game, but it was yeah. obvious it was after the yeah yeah after the goal horn and not in Seattle. So yeah, 
<laughs> By goal horn, in, you mean game horn. It was the actual yeah. game horn. Yeah. The game had right. actually ended. <laughs> Maybe that's how that goal horn should be used, though, right? Is like when you when you really need the clock to run out, you just hit the horn. <laughs> Or maybe that's why maybe that's why they stopped the clock with two seconds left in that Islanders game. No, I don't know. I don't know. Let's keep workshopping that. There's got to be a way that we can cheat using the goal horn to our advantage. <laughs> I thought the ice looked really good there too, by the way. Yeah, they had really good conditions for that one. It sounded like in terms of temperature. I think it was kind of like cloudy but clear. Um, so yeah, good events all around. Uh, no complaints that I heard of. So um, I guess they pulled it off pretty well. And that's all we have to say about that. We now move. <laughs> Down on the farm, moo. There's been some movement amongst some movement amongst <laughs> Kraken prospects. Uh, Jacob Melanson was traded within the QMJHL. He w- he goes from Akadi Bathurst Titan was his old team <laughs> to uh, Sherbrooke Phoenix, which was a team I did not know existed. So there you go. Uh, and then Ryan Winterton also got traded from the Hamilton Bulldogs to the London Knights. The good news on that is uh, he has not been playing, obviously, because of yet another injured shoulder. Uh, he's had, oh, my God, uh, Sweden almost scored like a on-the-fly Michigan there. That wow. was that was wild, uh, but he got stopped. Um, he hadn't been playing, uh, lots of injuries, so it sounds like he either is making his debut or is about to make his debut um, with the London Knights very soon. So uh, that's a great sign that he's going to get back to – Back to playing again. And Winterton's one of those guys that exceeded expectations the year after his draft year. So that there's a little bit heightened uh, expectation to make the Kraken because he was a, a second or third rounder. But unfortunate injury. So it's going to be nice to see him playing again. And Melanson's having a monster year too. Um, he was a really late draft pick, but he's also kind of exceeding expectations. We'll see if that translates. And I thought he looked good in rookie camp too. Uh, bigger than I expected. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then the rumblings about Shane Wright going back to the OHL, I feel like that's becoming more and more just like accepted that that should be the plan. Um, I think I heard Ray Ferraro talking about it recently. Uh, I you, you mentioned it last week, John, that that's where you think he, he needs to go now. So um, interesting. I'm, I'm starting to come around to it more too, especially I think in these world juniors, I'm like, I, I kind of expect him to be a man amongst boys out there. And he's been good. I, I don't think he's starred quite as much as I expected yeah. him to. And maybe he's just being overshadowed by Connor Bedard. But yeah, um, I think everybody's being overshadowed by Connor Bedard right now. <laughs> yeah, which I guess we can shift to talking about World Juniors. So um, first off, the, the relegation round has gone through Austria. I'm, I'm shocked that they didn't make it through after going, what was it, like 30 to nothing or something like that yeah. in the group stage. Um, so they lost to Latvia, so they'll go out next year. I don't know who comes up Norway. in their place. Norway does. Norway. Oh, okay. Which is Norway. which is interesting because I still don't understand when Russia's ready, you know, when hopefully uh, things calm down and Russia plays again in World Juniors. Like, how do they slot in? Hmm. Or do they have hmm. to sit out a year and something that needs to get relegated down and then Russia comes in. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't either. Um, In the going forward towards the gold medal games, uh, the quarterfinals, I guess you'd call those would probably be a better way to describe them. Uh, (laughs) USA going towards the gold medal games. games. (laughs) Going forward towards the gold medal games. Um, (laughs) USA beat Germany. It was like, I don't know, a million to one or something. So that wasn't fun. Uh, But Canada played against Slovakia and it was one of the best hockey games I've seen in a really long time. Absolutely riveting stuff. They went to overtime, tied three to three. 
Um, the goalie for Slovakia, Adam Guyon, he's, I'm going to just spoil it. He's going to be my star of the week later in the show. So I'm going to hold on that, but what a game by him and Slovakia as a whole, just like the classic kind of rope a dope, do what you can to stay in it against a team that's way better than you, but give yourselves a chance and, and man, they almost did it right. They almost got through if it weren't for Seattle Thunderbirds goalie, Thomas Millich, who also was really good though. He didn't, you know, stop anywhere. Close By the way, did you shot. see the save he made in the previous game where he did the splits and then lifted yes. his skate? Unbelievable. Yes, that was, that was pretty <laughs> cool. Um, but, yeah, so we can't talk about the USA-Canada game because it hasn't happened yet as we're recording this. It's about to happen now. Um, it is interesting. I it's You know how I said last year that, like, Wild against Kraken was, like, a heartstrings game? I didn't know who I was going to root for. I uh-huh. kind of feel that way for USA against Canada because, like, I don't have any real connections to any of the players on USA. But on Canada, I have a bunch. So I'm like, I think I'm going to root for USA, but I also want Canada to do well, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. The heart, it's the kind heart of a weird wants thing. What I the feel, heart wants. Yeah. It's that's something right. That... I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. Um, by the way, during that Canada game with, with Guyon playing so well, um, and it really felt like a classic steal, right? Like he was about to steal it. Uh-huh. And with Millich in at the other end, I was like, please do not lose this on like a squeaker goal. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's like, a, you know, this thing in Canada – that can be like kind of a career, not necessarily career ruiner, but that can really derail things for you as a goalie. I think with the amount of pressure and expectation that's put on these kids and you know, if he, if they lost because of like a bad goal by, by Millich, wouldn't oh, that yeah. just have been a horrendous he, he, way? It, it would follow oh. him around for a long time, man. Well, you just don't oh, want um, any I'm one kid to kind of like bear yeah. the burden of something, right? Like, and yeah. whether it be the goalie or somebody making a bad turnover or something like that. Yep. It's not easy to deal with, right? Like people. No, and these are young. Yeah, totally. But people aren't nice (laughs) sometimes. No, No. and especially like Canada, I think, is the only place that you really have to worry about that. You know, like as far as we know. Because everyone in the country, for some reason, I I don't know why this became such a huge thing in Canada compared to other places, but they care a lot about this, right? Yes. You know, you've heard about that over the years, like a Canadian team doesn't win the gold or they whatever, come up short in the semifinals or whatever. And and people just go nuts and, and they're terrible to them. So I would have hated for, you know, just something to go wrong there. That's all. If, if you watch the game and just look at the faces of the, of the crowd when they showed them when it was tied or going into overtime, everyone looked like they were going to throw up, yeah. which was interesting. And they, nobody was enjoying the overtime um, that was there. Uh, so that just gives you a little bit of insight to how they feel about this. But I want to say, too, I kind of dig that the games are being played in a smaller rink, like in a junior rink instead of an NHL size arena. I don't know, something about the atmosphere that they've had there in Halifax. Uh, I don't know. It's more intimate. It just feels like it, it's just, for me, it just adds to the to the whole uh, viewing experience. Oh, Czechia wins in overtime with 49 two, seconds left. Two to one. Two to one. You nailed it. Oh, Andy. wow. Got amazing. Right. What a prediction. <laughs> Czechia to the gold medal game. How do you like that? That's wow, pretty cool. Good. Um, okay, we now move on to our segments. And our first segment is Andy and John's favorite segment. Just kidding. It's everyone's favorite segment. <laughs> Goalie Gear Corner. <laughs> Did I trick you that guys? That was loud. No. No, I had a feeling you were going to do that. Um, let's see. Our first Goalie Gear Corner is Tam Calbit. I mean, Cam Talbot, <laughs> who has a brand new Deadpool mask. Uh, this is pretty funny that he, you know, just based on the 
Um, the rumors that Ryan Reynolds might become part of the ownership group there in Ottawa, uh, he said he was doing his part to try to uh, try to get Ryan Reynolds in there. So uh, it's a really cool mask. He's got um, on one side, it's Deadpool holding up a little foam finger that says go sends go. And then the other side, it's <laughs> Deadpool holding a Canadian flag. Um, it's awesome. It's really, really well done. And I, I think it's pretty fun. Isn't there a Tim Hortons cup? He's holding a Tim Hortons cup and uh, yeah, definitely in the other. Is yeah. he? I didn't notice that, yeah. but I'm going to keep watching that. Oh, yeah, he is. He's got a Canadian with flag. His, a Tim with Hortons a flag, cup. yeah. And he's got a little, like, Sens tattoo. There's a lot of like, licensing issues going on here. It's amazing. <laughs> I wonder how they get around yeah. that. I guess it's just like a drawing or a painting. Because but, it probably yeah. was a mask. Yeah, right? yeah it's, it's not like they're a, selling a it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's <laughs> ever been a question, question about though. that. So don't, question. John, please don't bring that up. Okay. That there's licensing issues because I don't want anyone who has their, their stuff or their likeness painted on a goalie mask to like make it. You don't issue. want Drieger, like you don't want Drieger to be sued by. Right. Yeah. By Disney yeah. for Grogu. Um, yeah, no. Okay. So that's a cool mask. Great job to whoever put that one on there. Might've been Andy. Um, even though he what? pretends not to like goalie. Why Gear would Corner, I do something like funny. that? I wanted to comment on Linus Ulmark's setup from the Winter Classic. Uh, Very, very cool. He had, it's kind of an ode to two separate goalies. Uh, One was Byron Defoe, a former uh, Bruins goalie. Uh, But he, the thing about it though, is that it's a Bauer setup, but actually Byron Defoe, which it's like black with little stars all over it, little white and yellow stars. uh, That actually was an iTech setup back in the day. So Bauer replicated a different company's uh, setup, which I thought was really sweet. And then uh, he's got an Andy Moog painted mask. So he's paying homage to two separate former Bruins goalies, which I thought was great. His stick is awesome too. It's actually a composite stick that has like printing on it or um, like 3D, uh, is it 3D printing? No, some sort of printing uh, to make it look like an old, like weathered wood stick. Um, so that's cool, but it's actually composite. So nice setups there. Uh, love it and always love what the Winter Classic brings in terms of goalie gear. Uh, I heard Chris Drieger talking about that on a yeah. video the other day. That- well, and that, that video that came from Seattle Kraken on the Twitter account, uh, it was Drieger and Grubauer talking. And it would, they mm-hmm. surprised him like, hey, what would you say if uh, the Kraken are getting the Winter Classic? And it was like, cool. They were both like, oh, that's cool. And Grubauer has <laughs> been, been in like three different outdoor games because he was with the Caps and then Colorado. But it was like halfway through the video, they look at each other mm-hmm. and they're like, new goalie gear. Like they realize they got new goalie gear. It was so <laughs> damn cute, man. I loved it. Yeah. Which I also thought was interesting that the two goalies, they include yes. that video in that video were Drieger and Grubauer, right? When technically the two current goalies on the team are oh, Grubauer and John, only two of them are under but contract. But is only on a one-year yeah. contract, so. That's right. Uh, also, th- I do want to take this moment to remind you that Grubauer was the goalie at the Lake Tahoe oh, yeah. game when the sun right. was a big issue, and glasses, he was the one that yeah. like wore the, the sunglasses right, yeah. under his mask <laughs> that made everybody chuckle. By the so. way, uh, Byron Defoe, <laughs> former Portland Winterhawk, too. Yeah. Wow, there it is. There it is. It all, all comes back to the dub. <laughs> Uh, weekly one-timers is next. Uh, it's yeah. time for... I didn't say that right. It's time for our weekly one-timers. Weston Dolph, excuse me, that's Dustin Wolf, was named the AHL Goalie of the Month. Uh, that's exciting. I think he was like 8-0-1 or something along those lines. Yep. So that's decent. He was yeah. AHL Goalie of the Year last year. He yep. continues to, to play yep. well. Like 
it's just a matter of time before at least he's given a shot in the NHL. Yep. Uh, next weekly, actually, before we move on, I think it's interesting too. Milich, the goalie for the Thunderbirds, has been replaced in net by Scott Ratzlaff, famed cousin of Carson Soucy. Uh, and Ratzlaff, I think, was just named goalie of the month for the WHL. I think he was like, I think he had eight eight wins and maybe one like overtime loss. So. That's pretty fascinating. Our next weekly one-timer. Jacob Verana was put on waivers by Detroit, and he actually cleared. Um, Now, he's been in the player assistance program for a lot of the season. Very, very good player, though. I thought that was interesting that uh, he would clear through waivers without anybody. Five million dollars in salary. Well, is that a lot? I don't know. It's a. It's in these times. It's a lot to fit, right? Because everybody's so strapped. So. Okay. Our next weekly one-timer. Tage Thompson had a hat trick again on Tuesday, um, and I guess he's pretty good at hockey. Like, do we have to officially say now that he's good? Well, especially because we were like, why are they signing him to a big contract this this offseason when he has no track record? Yeah, we as in you. Yeah. (laughs) I may have said that, yeah. It was a bit of a head scratcher. Well, and It was at the time. The Kraken get to see him next week, so uh, that should be fun. They they already saw saw him once already. He didn't do much that first game. Oh, right. great. Now you poke the bear. Yeah. <laughs> he now has 30 goals Decent. in 36 games, which I think is just bonkers. And the way he seems to be scoring is like, he looks like Mario Lemieux out there. Like he makes these insane moves and he's this huge guy, right? And it's like, I don't know. He's just, he's awesome. He's so fun to watch. Uh, our next weekly one-timer. Whoosh. Frederick Olofsson played his first NHL game for the Dallas Stars. Why is that interesting, John? I don't know. I love it because he's the brother of Gustav Olofsson. Yeah. So Frederick is 26 and played his first game. He ended up getting into four games. He was eventually assigned back to the AHL. But he scored a goal, so that was kind of nice. Anyway, 26 scores and plays his first game, and I just know the connection. Now, Frederick Olsen played with Chicago Steel in the USHL and played some uh, U.S. college. So I dig it, man. I dig stories like that. Gustav Olsen has been dealing with an injury again in, in the AHL, which I'm very sad to see. I hope that it's not too serious, but you, it's really hard to like find information on what's going on there. So. <laughs> HL um, undercovered, if you ask yeah. me. Right? I, yeah. So I hope that uh, that he's going to be okay and back soon. Um, but Gustav Olsson, the two brothers both obviously play pro hockey. Um, they actually didn't move to the U.S. because of pro hockey or because of hockey. They moved just because of like a job shift for their parents. So um, that's how that happened. Uh, our final weekly one-timer. Max Pacioretty has been activated off of injured reserve for the Carolina Hurricanes. You remember he came over, um, or I guess they what they traded him for future considerations, right? It was just like a giveaway scenario, and uh, he immediately got hurt. Um, so, Achilles. Good. Yeah. I mean, good for them that he's coming back. The I think the Hurricanes just had a massive, massive winning streak snapped, like a franchise yep. record winning streak. So <laughs> it's um, not like they need him. No. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who needs him? That's fine. But I, that's good. I mean, you never want to see a guy miss a whole season or whatever so happy to see that that closes out our weekly one-timers we close the show well actually our should i i was gonna do the tweets or stars thing but now ridiculous is in my head from last <laughs> week do we want to do this separately should we do should we do I, tweets and then we'll go to stars separately. i'm prepared for separately yeah all right i think i could pull it off okay in that case we now move on to our tweets of the week Andy, do you have a tweet of the week? Are you prepared for this? I'm not sure if you're sure. prepared for this. I'm prepared. Okay. You can make it happen. All right, yes. so tweets of the week. My What's first, your tweet? My tweet of the week comes from Scott Wheeler, who writes for The Athletic, does a lot of prospect work. 
Mm-hmm. He tweeted out a uh, highlight of a goal being scored in the Czech Premier League, whatever it's called, <laughs> or Elite League, whatever. But he writes down, a 50-year-old Yamir Yager scored a goal off a pass from 40-year-old Thomas Placanic today in the year 2023. And sure enough, it's a highlight of Mario Lemieux at 50 years old scoring a goal for the team he owns. <laughs> nice. And I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty funny that he got an assist from a 40-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I love that. My tweet of the week comes from Jason Berger, a friend of the pod, also known as OS Fromage. He's the equipment manager for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, so Hedman is just sitting down on the bench, and Johnny Lazarus tweets, hey, looking very handsome tonight. And it kind of you think you're talking about Hedman. Um, but then OS Fromage responds and says, you're too kind, Jay Lazzy, because he's just like in the background <laughs> behind the bench. So that was kind of funny. Um, and then my other – oh, no, I only had one tweet of the week. Uh, John – I'm, see, I'm all out of sorts here because we've been doing this a certain way. John, do you have a tweet of the week? Uh, I do have a tweet of the week. So okay. the, the yeah. NHL tweeted yesterday uh, after the uh, McDavid goal against the Kraken, and it's a highlight of him scoring, dangling, sick Great. McDavid score, Super. and it says, what more is there to say at this point? <laughs> and somebody retweeted it, uh, Mr. Nick Charles, don't know who this person is, and he tweets, I can think of five more things that were said. And then it says, hashtag C Kraken. So, hey, oh, got him. him. Take that. Got his ass. Got the (laughs) NHL.com's ass. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And now we close the show with Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. I'm going to go first. My star of the week is Adam Gajan of the Slovakia team for World Juniors. I referenced him earlier. He had 53 saves against Canada. Uh, he was, but there's more to it. So he also was the goalie that beat USA in uh, the group stage, which was a big deal for Slovakia, obviously. Then they get into this game with Canada. Again, 53 saves. And they're like, how many like 10 baller type of saves were they, right? Like he was amazing. Bedard yeah. walking through, rifling shots, Shane Wright, you know, just great opportunities. And he's making save after save. But the story about him, I think, is really interesting because he actually was playing in the North American Hockey League, the NAL, for the Chippewa Steel for 16 games this season. He moved up to the USHL to play for the Green Bay Gamblers for two games. And then 24 hours before the tournament, the Slovakian head coach or goalie coach rather texted him and asked if he could come play. So he like <laughs> hopped on a plane the following day, imagine? shows up. He's the third goalie in line and somehow overtakes the net. I mean, I don't even know how it all like played out that he got into any games at all, but he, I mean, he almost got them through to a medal round. So uh, pretty incredible uh, story there for him, just a whirlwind and uh, man, what a performance in that Canada game. I, I felt for him, but also it was like, you know, this kid's like sort of a national hero now just based on, um, his performance yeah, tonight. Yeah. So pretty cool to see. Keep that, an I eye thought. on him. I believe right? he's. I believe he's also a Minnesota Duluth commit. He is. He will be. Yeah, he's going to play for UMD next year. That's right. So, Andy, do you have a? Uh, I went first. So, Andy, do you have a star? Yeah, my star is Yarmy Yager, who at 50 oh. years old scored a goal. <laughs> <in the second. laughs> Wait, that's a loophole. Andy is looking at a loophole. Man. Yeah. All right, that was clever. John, do you have a star? Uh, this this kid named Matt Barzal. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, he's had five goals and two assists since the holiday break. He scored against the Kraken, and it didn't matter because the Kraken still uh-huh. won. And I thought it was really cool that he actually dropped the the puck at the Seattle Thunderbirds game the night before the, the yep. Islanders played the Kraken. So 
Very cool uh, to see him back on the ice and kind of still uh, acknowledging the Seattle Thunderbirds and going to the game. So very cool. Nice. Uh, we got a great picture of him. Our, our photographer, Brian Lee, yeah, had an awesome picture of him after scoring that goal for the Islanders. So, all right, that wraps up the episode. What were we on here? Episode 221. Thank you again for listening. Please, if you haven't left your five-star review on Apple Podcasts before, please leave it uh, on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the next show. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And we'll talk to you soon for the Triple Deuce, episode 222. Cheers. Cheers.